Hi, this is Sandy Wasmer, and you're listening to WebAx. Welcome to WebAx Podcast number 97, Responsive Design and Accessibility. This is your host, Dennis. Happy New Year, everyone. And along with the New Year is the new WebAx theme song for the second time, but this time the final version with some some lyrics in there. Hope you enjoyed that. But today's podcast is going to be with a conversation with George Zamfir about responsive design, what it is, and how it relates and helps web accessibility. So enjoy. So I have George Zamfir on the line. Hello, George. Hey, Dennis. Good to have you on this morning and get to know you a little bit. Oh, man. Good to be here. Cool, cool. So you're, um, well, I'm in the California, San Francisco Bay Area, mm-hmm. and you are in Toronto? I, I, I'm in Toronto, just 20 minutes west of Toronto. Oh, okay. Good. Well, thanks again for joining us. Um, do you want to give us a, a little personal introduction besides where you live? <laughs> sure. Um, well, um, I may have a, one of those um, stories that not many people relate to, but anyways, here goes. Um, basically, I came to uh, to Canada as an international student in in 2004. So that was my first contact with Canada or the Western world, I should say. Uh, I have a, a Romanian background, Eastern European. Uh, so um, so there, that tells you everything about my background, right? All right, let's go talk about accessibility. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, here's here's one more thing. Um, I did uh, computer science. Um, when I came to Canada in, in Toronto at the school university called Ryerson University. And that's also where I started um, with accessibility. I, I was looking for a job. I was this poor student trying to get a decent job or at least a job in, in his uh, uh, field. Uh, so I got this development job, a developer job at this um, uh, research lab. And uh, they were we were building what we called at the time learning technologies, which is basically just... Uh, basically trying to come up with our own assistive technology. So we would build tools for people who are deaf to um, uh, record, upload, and collaborate on on sign language content online. Uh, so that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, right? So in any case, that was that went from being a job to getting totally obsessed, obsessed with it and uh, became my uh, undergrad thesis, and uh, and basically that's where, that's how it, it all developed. Now, after my, my four years uh, of university and having this cool job for at least a year and a half, um, I, I thought that while that is very, well, while I liked it a lot and it was very cool, I thought to myself that I need a real job, you know, graduating from, from university. I have to go out there and find a real job. So I did that. I, I worked in the energy industry for, for two years and boy, that was boring. <laughs> <laughs> doing, doing what? Um, I worked for this... Um, uh, data company, uh, so it was an IT uh, company basically that would that managed all the um, consumption data, so hydro data uh, for the province of Ontario. So uh, that was um, uh, we basically managed this this hub system that was would, uh-huh. would record people's uh, kilowatt per hour consumption and their billing and all that stuff. So you were like an IT guy, or yes, I was in the in the operations team. So um, I was basically doing two things. One is uh, making sure everything runs, uh, as in servers and uh, data and reports, they run as properly. And the other part was trying to come up with some new product that we can sell to clients. Mm. Okay, so then what happened? Uh, so then I um, 
I found an opportunity at, at um, Scotia Bank, which is one of the big five uh, Canadian banks here, uh, to work exclusively on accessibility, which is very rare. It was very rare back then. It's still rare today. Really, uh, there are very few jobs that ask for just accessibility. They usually pack it up with something else. Like we're looking, right. like we're looking for a. Uh, I don't know, uh, bank teller who also knows accessibility, <laughs> something like that. Uh, so when I saw that, I was, um, I jumped on basically, and um, I was, I was happy because I worked with, uh, and I'm still working with, some of the best people um, I know um, on, on accessibility. That's great. And how, how long have you been there now? Um, it's, it's more than two years and a half now. Oh, okay. So it's not a long time, but super. Yeah. <laughs> when we first caught up, we we talked about Jenison, and um, many of us folk, of course, in in the accessibility tribe, if I can use that term, uh, no no <laughs> yeah. no Jenison, and so you and uh, he have been uh, doing the monthly meetups, right? Can you tell us about that? Sure. Um, so Jenison and I started. Actually, we just had our, our six-month anniversary last month, so there you go. <laughs> uh, Janice and I are, are um, organizing uh, monthly accessibility meetups in Toronto. It's called The group is called uh, Toronto Accessibility and Inclusive Design, is, uh, and um, we modeled it as, uh, based on the previous meetups, uh, or sorry, other, other meetup groups in the U.S. and Australia. And um, the group saw a lot of... of um, traction, got a lot of traction, and people seem to like it, and we're just very excited about it. Um, one thing that we're doing different, I think, from other groups is we're, we're alternating. We're going, um, we're doing a presentation or something educational, uh, you know, the first month, and the second month is all about networking and uh, getting people to meet uh, each other, talk to each other, hopefully solve their, uh, their problems together, and so on and so forth. So in case you didn't know, Jenison, who is calling himself a uh, shameless networker. Uh, he wanted a networking <laughs> piece. Probably that's not a surprise to anyone. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great so far. We've been actually uh, amazed by the, uh, the number of people that, uh, who joined the, the meetup. I think we're sitting at about 170 members right now. And our ongoing problem has been uh, finding a venue that is, well, A, accessible, uh, and B, who can uh, uh, a venue that can accommodate uh, a, an ever increasing number of people. Last time I right. had about forty or so. Well, if there's anyone listening out there in the Toronto area that um, has or knows of a place, please uh, leave a comment in the show notes. There you go. And we we kind of uh, sk- skipped it, but uh, well, let's let's talk about the accessibility. Well, let's talk about Twitter because I love to talk about Twitter. Okay. <laughs> So is that the um, hashtag A11YTO? Yes, that is the that is confusingly enough that is the hashtag for month for the monthly meetups and also for the accessibility camp once a year. So considering it only works, it only happens once a year. We're we're good with that. <laughs> right, and once a month for the meetup. So you you had a camp recently, right? We did. Uh, we had uh, the accessibility um, a camp Toronto on November seventeenth. And uh, that, that's why I mentioned the confusion. <laughs> uh, and okay. to make it even more confusing, we had a meetup before the camp. So yeah, <laughs> let's just drop it. <laughs> All right. It, the Twitter handle. For, uh, well, the camp is over, but <laughs> yeah. I'll put all this information in the show notes. But if you if you want more information on the meetup, go to meetup.com slash A11YTO. Yeah. And I will add that uh, that is also the hashtag, and that is also the uh, the Twitter handle. Oh, well, that makes it easy. Yeah, we we made it easy. Yeah. Oh, so the Twitter handle is at a11yto. Yep, it's the same thing. Oh, good, good. So, some just further introduction. Um, it's good, Wally. Is that like your freelance company? <laughs> yes, it is. Um, for as I said, for two years and a half, I've been consulting with Scotiabank. Uh, on accessibility, um, but from time to time I would have an opportunity to work on other projects uh, outside the bank, right? And oh, okay. um, and I noticed that people would ask me, so so are you kind of like a, a full time employee at the uh, the uh, the bank who's also doing something on the side, or what what are you, <laughs> right? 
so uh, basically, I've, I made this entity for myself, Good Wally, which is my, uh, which is the company through which I'm, I'm providing my accessibility services to people. Okay, great. Yeah. And that's um, GoodWally.ca. Yeah. And on Twitter at Good underscore Wally. W and that's W A L L Y, and how did you come up with that name? I I think that's I think that's it's it's an entertaining and cool and fun. (laughs) I really like the name Good Wally. Um, How did how did you come up with that? Yeah, I I like it a lot too. Um, I actually came up with it when I was doing my uh, when I was preparing the slides for the responsive design and accessibility talk, and um, I uh, you know how we shorten uh, accessibility to to. Alley or A11Y, and then we have web accessibility, and I was thinking, okay, well, that needs to be shortened as well, so I can, you know, have some cool acronyms or cool names or something. I like to name things, uh, by the way. So Wally is just web accessibility, really. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That didn't even strike me. Isn't that funny? <laughs> well, that's that's what WebAx is. Uh, there you go. <laughs> well, we web, so I guess we both have different yeah. names for this. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's funny how that happens. Yeah. Well, that's cool. All right, so um, so I believe uh, you gave this presentation, uh, responsive web design and web accessibility. I believe you gave that at the Toronto camp. Yes, that that's correct. Okay, so I've seen your name around a lot and stuff. Oh, you have. And then, okay, that's surprising. Well, <laughs> well, you know, the last few months I came across it and. Uh, but then I saw this presentation and I thought it was really good mm-hmm. and um, checked out your website and everything and thought I'd ask you to come on the show because it's a very hot and important topic. So without further ado, I guess we can jump into into that. Um, For even going into you know what is responsive design and so on, I just wanted yeah. to touch on the on on your point earlier on, on how important this is. Uh, I, I guess I told you before we started our podcast that um, some people consider responsive design to be a fad, to be you know a thing that would just go away at some point. Um, and uh, before really diving into um, responsive design and coding and doing all this myself, I thought the same thing. Um, I just thought it was really it's, there's nothing uh, new or proprietary to it. It's, it's just a technique, right? Or at least it just started as a technique. But I wanted to to touch on the point that um, I believe it's going to be, uh, it's going to get even more important. You said something very interesting earlier. You said that uh, the web has been responsive before. We just never called it like that or knew to call it like that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And I believe that that um, we're going back to our roots, I guess, which our roots are to be, to have a fluid layout. Um, we only came up with our own constraints, both in terms of screen width and website width and you know, um, so on and so forth, uh, fairly, you know, recently, right? And we liked that because we could easily design things in Photoshop, right? So so people could relate to, you know, fixed designs and so on. Uh, but I think it's, uh, it's important and it's going to become even more important as people realize the, really the benefit of it. And I can tell you, for example, that even at a traditional bank like, like Scotiabank, the place where I, where I work, um, that we're getting, uh, we've started making some of um, uh, the, for example, the applications, you know, applications for a credit card or whatever it is, we started making those responsive. And with that, it came, um, we we noticed quite a lot of um, other benefits as well. So you're making something responsive, you're thinking about the web as well, uh, and inherently you're already doing some things for accessibility, right? So it benefits uh, accessibility as well. Uh, so in any case, I'll go into more details later, but I just wanted to say that I think that if traditional companies take on responsive design for whatever their initial reasons may be, I think that's, that's a very, very good sign that it's going to pick up even more. And I'm glad you mentioned that because it is important to mention that um, those things and that, you know, I think both of us and a lot of other people believe this is not a fad and that, uh, you know, supporting different screen sizes and devices and everything nowadays obviously is, is very important mm-hmm. not only not only for accessibility but just you know usability i guess you could say yeah. or just to support all the <laughs> all the crazy devices and array of sizes out there and a lot of companies now are um 
you know, uh, in PayPal included, you know, are, are moving towards, uh, you know, responsive design and just kind of more of a one web kind of thing. So and I mm-hmm. think it's great. That's fantastic. Oh, one other thing. Yeah. I really, I really like the movie Wall-E. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> the second slide on in, is awesome. There's a picture of Wally and Eve, right? No, no, it's Eva. Okay, Eva. Yes, <laughs> I researched this. I, I wanted to make sure I get it right. Okay. Okay, I thought he's saying Eva, but yeah, because of Ad, the Adam and Eve thing, I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was just his, his robot accent. Okay, Eva. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> So responsive web design and accessibility, they are really good together, like Wally and Eva. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, give us a uh, description of what re- responsive web design is, or what mm-hmm. at least it means to you. So first of all, the, um, that, is, that was the point that I wanted to make with the whole presentation, that responsive web design and accessibility are really good together, and it's mostly good news for uh, the accessibility field. So um, the reason I'm saying this is because I may give the same presentation, but uh, for the other type of audience, so for responsive design people, and they want to know why accessibility may be good for responsive design, right? But in any case, the context of this presentation was accessibility camp. So people who do accessibility wanted to know why responsive is a good thing. So what I tried doing uh, throughout the presentation is to um, come up with, with some uh, points uh, as I found out from my own personal experience building responsive websites on why um, accessibility is um, considered. And actually, um, what I wanted to say was that with responsive design, you already get some accessibility gains. Um, so that was, that was my point for, for the talk. Responsive design is really, a, as I said earlier, a technique, or at least it started off as a technique for building one website, one layout that would be smart enough to adapt to the different device capabilities um, or screen resolutions, uh, so on and so forth. So that is the, I guess, the ideal. Um, that is where where we want to be. We don't want to be in a place where we have a different style sheet or a different set of, of uh, layout files for each platform or worse, for each device. Uh, so, for example, even when responsive design uh, took off, some people would have their own separate style sheets for the iOS platform, for the BlackBerry platform, I guess, mostly phones at the time, uh, and one for Android. And, and they were trying to do that because they were aiming for or they were targeting different, different capabilities of the platforms. And they quickly realized that that is just not scalable at all because right. if you decided to, um, you know, update your... Um, menu, you know, main navigation uh, menu color. You have to do it in three, uh, uh, you know, style sheets. Yeah. What if uh, what if Apple decided suddenly to make the next iPhone a different screen size? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Look, like the iPhone five. <laughs> then, then what are you gonna do in the iPad Mini? You're not gonna do much. <laughs> well, you have to do much, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, there's just like so many devices now. It's just you can't. It's impossible to keep up. So yeah, and that was pretty much the premise of responsive design. Yeah, and um, just a quick note that I see you um, referenced, like many people do, um, an article from a list apart on responsive web design, and that was pretty good and popular article. And I'm looking at the date. It's funny. It's like it came out like two and a half years ago. Yep. So a list apart is really good on that. They always come out with new, a lot of times groundbreaking stuff. Yeah. So the uh, the, the article that that you're referencing, and and I have a quote in there on my uh, slides. Uh, the quote is from the guy who who basically coined uh, responsive design. His name is, is Ethan Mercat, and uh, he came up with it. Uh uh-huh. Yeah. And this is really where it all started. And if you think about it, two years and a, and a half. I mean, that's. That's a lot of years in internet years, I guess. But still, two years uh, is nothing in terms of, of uh, technologies. I mean, for example, it took so many years for um, a technology like, uh, I don't know, Flash or Ajax, Ajax to, um, to, to take off, right? Uh, yeah. This has seen a lot of adoption. I, for example, when I started 
building websites with responsive design a year and a half ago, I thought I was so late to the game, <laughs> right? And then I realized, well, hold on a second, you know, these guys just sort of yeah. pointed a year before, so. Yeah, it's funny, when, when you're in the, in, in the industry and you're keeping up on things, uh, you think you're behind, but you're actually ahead of most people. <laughs> that, that's what I found, yeah. Also, when you're talking about technologies, like I was thinking of CSS2, because there was some features in CSS2 that people, it didn't catch on or wasn't supported, you know, until CSS3 came out. And then and people think um, certain things like, I think, web fonts, mm-hmm. you know, w- was in CSS2, yeah. right? Yeah. But but everybody thinks it's like a CSS three thing. <laughs> oh yeah. But it's it's been around forever. It just wasn't supported or used until a certain time. So. Yeah, there are quite a few things that that existed before, and uh, people think it's part of CSS three or HTML five. Today, right. HTML five is like this branding, um, you know, yeah. name that everything goes under, right? <laughs> like geolocation. That's not HTML five, but sure, if you want to, you know, call it that way. <laughs> yeah, that just means like it's. A new cool technology, mm-hmm. so we have to so we have to use it. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. We don't have to. Use it. <laughs> if you don't need it, don't use it, please. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So responsive web design. So basically, well, we talked about you know kind of doing the f- fluid layouts and adapting, and how does it do that? Well, I guess it, it uses media queries, right? Yeah, so you can do, so what I wanted to do um, um, in my, presenta- my presentation and, and this part, the part on responsive design, is, um, was basically uh, done to give people a starting point. So uh, what I said was that responsive design is basically, it, it has three components. Uh, it's flow foundation, media queries, and responsive images. And I'll explain those in a, in a bit. But what I wanted to do is to, uh, at that time, is to give people... Uh, you know, one line of code, one slide that is actionable that they can take and implement themselves. So what I said is, uh, really, you should start with a fluid foundation. What does that mean? It means that um, you let go of fixed widths. You don't declare your widths with pixels. You just declare them with ratios, which is the EM um, uh, unit in CSS or percentages. Mm-hmm and see what happens. So if your website breaks down because all of a sudden you have a fluid layout, and by the way, fluid would mean, um, for example, if I um, resize my browser window, um, the layout uh, resizes with it. Um, so that is the fluid, that, that is, like, I guess, my definition of being fluid, as opposed to having a fixed width website where if I resize my browser window, I just get my horizontal scroll bars. Right, so. right. It's like flexible, or it's, I guess it's kind of is another word. <laughs> yeah, that's that's also good. Yeah, stretchy. <laughs> it's like stretchy pants. Yeah. So what I so what I usually tell people is, first you make sure that your container, you know, your content container is fluid, right? And let your you know website break, but make that first fluid. The the next thing that you need to worry about is making your actual content uh, responsive. So what does that mean? Well, that means that if my window, so if, sorry, if my if my uh, viewport, so for example, I, I'm watching, I'm looking at the website with a smartphone. My viewport is going to be really small. What do you want to do with your content if somebody is reading from a really small screen? Well, you want to make it bigger so that people can read it properly, right? So that is that second part of of media queries. And um, if for anybody who is familiar with uh, print style sheets. If anybody developed print style sheets, that was a, a media. That is a media type. Media queries is uh, right now. I think it's a it's a release candidate. Yeah, it's a W3C recommendation right now. Um, where with media queries, you can target the type of media, but you can also target features. So, for example, in CSS 2.1, or I think starting with 2.1, you'd have your media type to be print. And then you will have all your print-related uh, CSS um, styles, right? Yeah, that's a very good point. That, yeah. Yeah, good, good comparison. I, I, I found that that helped me. I know uh, people use other, other things to explain uh, media queries, uh, but that, that's really what worked for me. Uh, and I didn't even do uh, print style sheets. <laughs> <laughs> so so I've, done a, I've done a little bit of this myself, but... Mm-hmm. 
I, I haven't done the responsive images yet. It's, okay. do, you, do you think that's uh, any more difficult? Or? Um, it is. So responsive images is that third um, component of responsive design. So what, you're, what we're trying to solve with responsive images is uh, you can have your, your entire um, website um, adapt to your screen size but have a fixed width um, image. Uh, you need to have your image to sort of match your layout kind of thing. So how do you do that? Uh, there are quite a few ways. problem is there isn't one solution right now that would uh, just magically work for you. So you would have to do one of, um, you would have to uh, use one of the many solutions. But uh, the good uh, part is that there are quite a few smart people right now who started a uh, W3C uh, community group on responsive images and and uh, they're working together to um, basically make uh, create a new element in HTML that would allow people to um, um, to put in multiple sources for the same image. So basically, same image, different oh. image quality and and qualities and um, uh, resolution, so that the browser then is going to be the browser job to pick up the image that matches the screen size or the you know device capability. So that is the what's going to happen in the future, and I think it is going to happen because lots of people wait in. Um, but for now, uh, what I chose to do is basically try to do a lot of image optimization, so that I can get my image that my image be um, have uh, enough quality that it looks uh, decent on a retina screen, for example, or a high density um, uh, uh, monitor or, or screen. But also, it's, it's not big enough so that it just kills somebody's bandwidth on a mobile device. So that is the simplest right. thing that you can do right now. Um, there are quite a few other um, solutions out there. You can do responsive images on the server side if you have uh, the capability to do that, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, those solutions are on my uh, slide deck. So I, I think that if you share that, uh, people can go through them. Oh, I sure will. I favorited. You favorited the slide. Okay. I favorited the slide deck as well, and I'm looking at it as you speak. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, it's a great slide deck, and that's why I have you on the show sharing all this great information. Let's see. We talked about kind of like the fluid foundation, media queries, and images. Yeah, about the HTML5 thing. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I just. It makes me think of right now, like with the the main, or the main or the main content element. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that goes through, but um, for the responsive image, I hope they don't have that much of a problem. But responsive web design is a much sexier topic than <laughs> than just a structural element. <laughs> yeah, but so, yeah, that's true. Let's, I, I, I hope they let's hope they both go through. Uh, yeah, me too. I. I I, I watched sort of um, from the side the discussion on the main um, element to be introduced in HTML5, and uh, I saw an argument from somebody. I'm, I'm not going to name names or anything, but basically they said, "Well, why don't don't we have a, our, our um, outlining algorithm to just basically say that um, that this some content is main if it's not anything else? So if it's not an article or a section or whatever else, anything that that it's not." Um, either one of those things, then it's main, right? So it's basically uh, making content main by exclusion, <laughs> right? <laughs> Excluding everything yeah. else. I, I found that to be so not a good idea. <laughs> I, I agree. It's pretty far-fetched. I guess that's been dubbed the Scooby-Doo method. <laughs> it was the Scooby-Doo method, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get back to mm -hmm. RWD, Responsive Web Design and Accessibility. And uh, so... Let's talk about why they're good together. Sure. So um, I have uh, quite a few arguments, uh, or I'll say reasons for supporting that, but what I did for the presentation, and I'll do the same on, on this podcast as well, um, I grouped everything into four categories, uh, basically. So those four categories that I was talking about are um, one, per, one is the uh, personal overriding style sheet, so that's just an umbrella term for a few things. Second is um, an inherent inclination for uh, responsive web design techniques to adopt web standards. In fact, they're based on web standards, so we know how, how good that is in terms of accessibility. Third one is um, good responsive design 
um, is also mobile first and progressive enhancement, or it follows these two philosophies, and uh, we'll uh, describe those um, in a moment. And the fourth one is that it caters to users' needs, devices, and context. Yeah, when I, w- when I went through your slide deck, I, I understood most of that, except uh, the first one was a little fuzzy, mm-hmm. the personal overriding <laughs> style, style sheet. Yeah. So are you talking about like when a user has his own style sheet for a website or is applying certain styles to, to help to help get the content of that website? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, so to give you an example, the bank, um, I know a, uh, uh, this great developer who also happens to have a uh, visual impairment, and he needs everything to have a certain color scheme and uh, text to be to have uh, a certain size in order for him to be uh, to properly consume that content, basically, right? And uh, and uh, what he does is he's loading this uh, CSS style sheet that he created for himself because you know he's a developer, and uh, he's basically overriding any websites that he visits uh, with his own style sheet. So all the websites in the world for him look, let's say, uh, with uh, a white uh, text on a blue background, and all the heading level ones have a size of uh, let's say 40 pixels. Or actually, let's make let's make this an EM because this is responsive design. <laughs> so, depending, uh, I don't know, two EMs or something. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so, what I'm what I'm trying to say with this is that um, he has his own personal overriding style sheet, and he's overriding anything to his to work for for himself. And in a sense, that's what responsive design is. It's it's funny because it's called design, responsive design, but it's not about the design; it's about the content. So what responsive web design does is it's trying to adapt the design uh, to your device, to your needs, to your browser, uh, so on and so forth, so that the content, uh, so that it makes the content better and easier for you to consume and so on and so forth. And we'll see later that it also makes it more accessible. So that's why I called it a personal overriding style sheet. Okay. No, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're... Um well, the next point kind of gets into the web standards, but if you're using semantic markup in web standards, then um, that's going to, using a custom style sheet is obviously going to work much better. Yeah, in, in my opinion, that, that's what responsive web design is, is this custom style sheet um, that, uh, that really brings up the content, I guess, or brings out the content. So the second point, um, inherent inclination to web standards. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, so if you, um, uh, if you look at, at all the people who talk about responsive design, um, well, first of all, when responsive design came about, um, it really um, uh, wasn't about uh, mobile first or progressive enhancement. It was, um, all it said was uh, that responsive design has to be built on web standards for the greater interoperability between devices and, and browsers and so on and so forth. So it was very simple. It was it was that simple. It said you have to, you have to use web standards in order to have a, a chance of your website working all the multitude of devices that we have today. So that was it. And then later on, uh, people uh, started um, coming up with these um, other techniques or attaching other techniques to responsive design, uh, mobile first and progressive enhancement, and so on. But when it started, that that was it. And um, people who have done responsive design for a, for a long time, or I guess from the beginning, and are giving um, uh, other presentations. So smart people like uh, Jeremy Keith, uh, Aaron Gustafsson, um, uh, Brad Frost, so on and so forth. You can, uh, you, if you watch the presentations, you can uh, sort of pick up on the fact that they always say, um, you know, stop with the platform-specific hacks. Uh, enough with the with the. Uh, browser prefixes in your in your CSS, you can use them, but just so you know that it's not going to work on all devices, right? So as long as you're aware of the risk, go ahead and do it. But really, if you want to do good responsive design, don't use platform-specific hacks. Um, enough of the custom controls, you know, everybody, um, nobody likes or designers don't like your regular checkboxes or, or radio buttons or you know, so on and so forth, because they're ugly. Uh, so uh, with the help of jQuery and other platforms and other libraries, people are building their own custom uh, uh, form controls, and they all look nice and fancy and so on. The problem is they're non-semantic. It's usually, they're usually a bunch of divs, 
And they, yeah, they do look the same on all in all browsers and all devices. The problem is the native controls are much better. Responsive design says, you know, don't use custom um, controls because, or use them, but just so you know, it's the native ones are much better. So build for that first, build for standards. If you can enhance them later, uh, that's fine. Um, and basically the third one was um, no more mouse-only wankery, as I call it. <laughs> so I remember this case at, at the bank where we had this, um, in our online banking platform or application, we had this, uh, what we called uh, a quick menu that would open when, when users would mouse over or hover over. So basically it was attached to an account, and when you would mouse over that quick menu, you get a bunch of options like pay a bill or transfer funds or whatever, right? It was a quick way to transfer money. And of course, that when when that was designed initially, it was supposed to only work with the mouse. And we said, you know, the accessibility team came came in, and we said, no, no. If you're designing this from the ground up, we have to make it keyboard accessible. So you have also you also need to be able to activate it by keyboard, so on and so forth. When uh, people started using tablet uh, devices, and we saw <laughs> a lot of adoption there, um, you know, basically we had our design team or our web team saying, oh boy, we but we we um, dodged that bullet, right? And uh, and I went back to them and I said, you know, that stuff that we did for accessibility, um, you know, now you did it for tablets as well. Why? Because we've been following web standards, <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, that's that's a great point. And, yeah, and a great story. Yeah. So that so that's what I meant by uh, by this. Yeah, I had a similar issue uh, at PayPal, and we. With JavaScript, you know, we completely rewrote a, a form component, which I didn't want to do in the first place. But when we were done, I mean, we did a great job. We went over the top and made it a, totally accessible. We com- completely re- rewrote this for- a basic form component, mm-hmm. like with JavaScript and CSS3, and it was totally awesome, mm-hmm. you know. But then, of course, yeah, when you get to, like, mobile and, and, and touch devices and stuff and you know things start to break down because you're you're not using the native comp- <laughs> the native uh HTML element. Yep. So I know how that goes. Good story. <laughs> Although I did learn a lot about Aria when I when I made that <laughs> when I made that component though. So You did eh? Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. So basically what I was uh with, with this uh, sort of point. Um, I was what I was trying to get across the room was that, or I should say, get across the bits in our case. I don't <laughs> get across the speakers or earbuds you're maybe using at this time. Um, my point was that um, through the fact that responsive design is encouraging is encouraging using web standards. That's basically making the case for accessibility. It's making the case for us. Um, and it may they you know they may get more traction just because responsive is this new cool thing. The accessibility community has been saying this for you know the longest time ever. But uh, for once at least, not only that we're getting a new technique or technology that doesn't impede accessibility, it actually encourages it, right? So that was a great point that I I liked yeah. about this. And it seems like you know we're really talking about the R in poor, right? The robust part of um, absolutely of, of, of WCAG 2's uh, poor acronym mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> so per- perceivable operable understandable and robust WebEx. progressive enhancement has been around for a, a while now and I just hopefully this will be the thing to push developers to do it more because to this day you know I'm still seeing you know, divide us on websites and yeah. you know things. You know things not working without JavaScript and so on. So yeah, um, I, I do have one uh, story that I want to I want to share on on uh, progressive enhancement. Um, so well, first of all, I should I should ask you: Are we uh, going to give a sort of a, a small introduction on mobile first and progressive enhancement? Do you want to do that, or you want to? We kind of touched on it. Yeah, I think just. I think most people understand what that what that means. All right. Okay. So with uh, with this um, with progressive <laughs> enhancement, I was uh, I was ga- I gave an example um, during this presentation where I said um, uh, an example from this from this uh, comedian. And actually, I'm going to read what what he said. Um, 
he was talking about escalators, and he said that an escalator can never break. It only becomes stairs. So you would never see a, uh, an escalator temporarily out of order sign, just an escalator temporarily stairs sign. So sorry for the inconvenience. Sorry for the convenience. We apologize for the fact that you can still get up there. So basically, I was using this as a as a, to compare progressive enhancement with an escalators uh, in the sense that if you build a, your website with progressive enhancement, it will never really break down. It will just become stairs, uh, or I should say, a staircase, right? Rather than right. a an enhanced escalator. And I gave this example, and somebody challenged me in the room, and they said, "Yeah, but if it becomes stairs." Um, it's not accessible, right? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, that wasn't exactly the point I was trying, I was trying to make. But then I said, well, okay, well, imagine this. Imagine that you get your, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, flat-moving escalators in, el- in airports. They have those uh, sort of escalators that are flat, are horizontal, and you get well, on like them with your luggage, and they just move around, right? The people mover. The people mover. Thing. Thing. <laughs> yes. So I said, well, imagine that. That it breaks down. It just becomes a floor. <laughs> so he liked that because that was accessible. That was wheelchair accessible. <laughs> so that, ah. so that, that's how I like to, uh, uh, to look at progressive enhancement. Yeah. Another good one is an electric toothbrush. Yes, the electric toothbrush, yeah. So, yeah, if it breaks, it's, it's still a toothbrush, right? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I wish I would have thought of that. That's just much easier to explain. <laughs> I didn't think of it. Somebody else thought of it. I'm just using that example. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's okay. I'll start using it too, so we can both use it. <laughs> okay, so um, you know, part of accessibility is um, being able to support different user agents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is a more uh, specification kind of term. Okay. So with responsive web design, you're doing pretty much the same thing, right? You're catering to um, to uh, different devices and and contexts. And uh, yeah, can you elaborate? Yeah, absolutely. So um, so again, I was I'm I'm basically just using what um, the I guess uh, authoritative faces or authoritative people in responsive design are saying, and they're saying that responsive design it caters to users' needs and devices and context. And and what does that mean? Um, usually, so for example, Luke W. Luke Roblevsky, I think his his last name is. He's yes. he's the guy who coined mobile first, and and he's he's always saying that you get with mobile devices, you get users divided attention, right? So that means that you get in a regular uh, a regular scenario, somebody's walking down the street and they hold their phone in, in one hand and navigate with their index finger, right? Uh, so that's what he calls divided attention. So basically he's saying you get um, from from people on mobile devices, you get one eyeball, one thumb, design your interfaces, your website, such that it accounts for that. Don't If your website requires people to put both index fingers uh, on the screen to to navigate, that's just a bad idea. So they're saying this in the context of responsive design and best practices and, and so on and so forth. What we know in the in the accessibility community, we know that some people actually do have only one eye or one thumb, uh, and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. again, I was trying to make the point that um, responsive design people, uh, when they're talking about these concepts, they're making the case for accessibility. Except they just don't call it that; they call it something else. And to me, that is just amazing. I, I haven't been in this field for you know 20 years, um, but I've only been in this field for a few years. But I've never seen this coming out from any other technology uh, or any other technologies or technology evangelists or advocates and so on, like I've, saw, I've seen from uh, coming out from the uh, responsive community. Hmm. So I found that really, really powerful for us uh, as, a, as a community, as an accessibility community. One thing I've noticed from the beginning, you know, there's a lot of crossover between obviously between web standards and accessibility and usability and accessibility. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of how I, I got really into it. It's just because of the crossover, and and that's just a good example right there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, if you think of it as usability or responsive web design or accessibility, it's it's all good, right? It goes... It's all the benefit the user and the support different devices. 
I, I would say so, yeah. And it's uh, it's interesting, right? We're not even, with responsive design, you don't even have to target, um, to go back to your initial question, because I kind of went on a tangent there. Um, not that I do that very often, okay. <laughs> but uh, to answer your initial question, uh, with responsive design, you don't even have to target specific user agents. And when we're saying user agents, we're talking browsers, mobile browsers, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, you just target their features. So when we're talking about media queries earlier, we said that you target the media type. So the example was the print style sheet from, from earlier. But you, you, you target the type, you know, if it's mobile, if it's screen, if it's a projector, so on and so forth. And then you target the features. And responsive design is adapting to those features, not necessarily to the media type. So, for example, responsive design doesn't care that you have an iPhone 3GS that has an iOS 4.1 operating system and the Safari browser, you know, 4.2 or whatever it is. It <laughs> only cares about the, sorry, it only cares about first the the screen size and then about the capabilities. Yeah, and that's obviously the best way to go. It's definitely um, one good way to go, yeah. That's funny going back to the the print style sheet thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of because that's been around a while, and you know some people used it, which is ideal yeah. for for printing a web page. <laughs> but that's, I'm just I was just thinking about that, and it's funny because it's just like for people who do sniff for specific. Uh, you know, browsers or whatever, mm-hmm. rather rather than features. It's like, well, if you're doing a print style sheet, you're not sniffing for what kind of printer they have. <laughs> oh, that is a good one. <laughs> I love that. You know, <laughs> web This is a great presentation, so I'm glad I had you on the show. There's a lot of great information. And um, can you tell us... Uh, what other things you're doing now or in the near future or planning um, besides the Toronto uh, month, monthly meetups and camp? Uh, well, um, I think 2013 is going to be my year um, coming down in the States for um, conferences. I haven't decided yet um, whether I should attend CSUN or Access U. At this point, that's kind of my, that's where I'm, uh, what I'm oscillating between. But uh, it's definitely my year to come down. Um, and um, I'm not doing a presentation, at least not just yet, um, at any of these uh, big conferences. Um, but I have, I, I, I've seen a lot of um, um, uh, traction here, in, at least in the uh, GTA. We call GTA, by the way, stands for Greater Toronto Area. So I, I've seen quite some traction here between uh, amongst the web people on responsive design. So I think I might have an opportunity at FITC to talk about um, uh, responsive design and accessibility. FITC is uh, one of these design conferences that they have all over the world. I don't know if you heard of it. The, the URL is FITC.ca if anybody wants to check it out. Uh, but I, I'm not, I don't have any, uh, any big plans yet. Okay. Well, yeah, if you can make one of those, the Access U or, or CSUN, that'd be awesome. Those are both great conferences, and um, I'll be at CSUN. That one's that one's a much bigger conference mm-hmm. in, uh, in San Diego, and um, I'm presenting uh, one session this year. Uh, awesome. So That's your session. It, it'd be great to see you there. My session is on... Um, Aria and creating like a, a accessible drop down button. <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah, very cool. So yeah, I gave a similar talk um, at the HTML5 DevConf in S- San Francisco a couple months ago. But um, I I talked more about the you know accessibility in Aria, and then so for this talk at CSUN, it'll be. Uh, less of the background stuff, since mm-hmm. you know I don't don't want to preach to the choir. Yeah, and and more about um the the a little bit, little bit more about the coding details and and obstacles and stuff. So it should be good. Yeah, that is fantastic. I think the the greatest value that that uh, that we can offer um, is to go outside our uh, our accessibility community and and present and share with other people who may not necessarily know about accessibility but might know about technology, right? So. Exactly. That's fantastic, yeah. Yeah, I was a little surprised at the HTML5 uh, DevCon. Um, 
it was cool to see my room was was full of people and um I say that <laughs> not because it's uh accessibility but mm-hmm. but it was like at lunchtime and um Chris Heilman was speaking at the same time all right and right. yeah I was like oh no you know nobody's <laughs> going to come to my session but it turned out to be a pretty full room so I was pretty I was pretty happy and it went well was, and uh yeah so I think conferences like CSUN and Access U are great but we also definitely want to go out to uh, the other uh, types of conferences and events and, and spread the good word. Mm-hmm. Again, George, thank you for joining us. Thank you for doing the the uh, Toronto meetups and for your great slide deck. And again, I'm going to repeat it once more. Goodwally.ca oh, is, you. is your website. And then on Twitter at good underscore Wally. And I'll put all these links on, on uh, the show notes, of course, in the blog post. So great speaking with you, George. That's fantastic. Uh, thank you for having me. It really was great. It, it seems like um, uh, it, the, the challenge that I have, or at least that we have in the accessibility community always, is that we don't have enough time. We could go on and talk <laughs> about these things for much, much longer, right? It's always about shortening down. So without being <laughs> yeah. <said>, <laughs> we could probably talk for another hour, yeah. Yes, but it, uh, it great stuff. Uh, and you're a great moderator. I'm so happy that you've been driving this. There you go. Oh, well, thank you. I, I don't really think so, but thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're welcome either way. <laughs> All right, maybe we'll have you on the on the show again sometime. Maybe with Jenison next next fall. I would not. I would make any. I will not make any promises. <laughs> I will not go with Jennison on yet another thing, a show or anything. <laughs> it's just too much, you know. It's too much. Great <laughs> uh, stuff. All right. All right. Thanks again, George. Thank Bye. you very much. <laughs>